Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report Podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Uh, Brian, the winter season is done. We can basically officially say that. Um, we saw Tech boys, they lost in the state quarterfinals yesterday. They still will be playing today, possibly tomorrow, um, in the consolation, you know, semifinals and possibly final, but at least for us covering winter sports in person, um, it's over for for the season, which is um, kind of shocking after how long it felt. <sighs> yeah, get in All that right. deep sigh of relief. Yeah, no, it's it's been a it's definitely been a little bit of a long, long two months. I think the winter season is always kind of the longest when it comes to sports writers, just because you start at the beginning of February and then you don't end until the end of March. But regardless, I mean, all of the all of those moments have been a lot of fun to watch. I mean. From Cathedral winning two state titles to Taylor Schaefer winning a state title to, you know, River Lakes heading to the state tournament once again for a second straight year. Um, you had swimmers and ba- uh, swimmers and divers as well as wrestlers over one weekend. And then you had Albany girls basketball and we had Tech boys basketball. So, I mean, plenty of people that made their trip out to the cities and were able to, you know, cap off that amazing season that they had and, I think that's kind of the fun part, but I know for me, I think we have about a week and a half until um, softball starts up and all of the spring sports start up. Um, hopefully the snow keeps melting because I'd love to see them out on the field, but I think I'm going to take this week and a half and <laughs> kind of enjoy it for a little bit because um, then we get right back into the thick of things once uh, once the spring season starts up. But luckily with that one, it's only like a couple months and unfortunately, it's only a couple months because I, I would love to watch baseball all, all year round. <laughs> and, yeah, I know. The, fir- the first day that finally all the snow was melted off of my yard, then it snows. Just a downpour again as, we're, as I'm coming back from the game last night. But So we'll, we'll talk a bit about that Tech uh, boys basketball game in the state quarterfinals we were both at last night to start off. Um, also, since we last podcasted, um, there were a lot of big section basketball games we saw you know, Tech win a section final. I saw Albany boys lose in a section final, and you also got to see Albany girls play a couple of games um, in the state tournament for the girls' basketball tournament as well. So um, a lot to get to there. Um, we'll also talk about St. Cloud State hockey a tiny bit. They clinched another uh, berth in the NCAA tournament. They're going to be playing on Friday. Um, so we'll touch on that. And then we'll also go a bit through some of our all-metro teams um, we have had our first five out as of this morning when we're recording on a Wednesday morning. Um, and then we'll have boys and girls hockey, boys and girls basketball, and wrestling to cap it off through kind of um, through the weekend into next week. So um, next podcast, we'll talk about those today. We'll kind of take the first chunk of those and briefly discuss kind of um, what some of our selections were and what went into that. But um, I think, like I said, we'll start with boys basketball and tech, um, who after, you know, a crazy section final, we could have done a whole podcast just on that. You know, the kind of reaction to that game last uh, Thursday when we went to Wilmer, you know, saw them get down by, you know, 15-plus points to start the game. 
um, come back, make it close by halftime, and end up winning on a buzzer-beating, uh, you know, layup as time expired from Devin Yeager off a rebound that no one, you know, saw coming as he got mobbed by Tech fans. So that could be a whole thing itself, but, you know, that wasn't the end of their season. They still had a chance to go to state first time since 2010, um, so, you know, ending a 12-year drought after a couple um, losing seasons. And, um, you know, it didn't it didn't go their way, but even though they got down big in this one as well, they, just like in that section final game, they fought back and they made it, you know, kind of interesting there down the wire in the second half. Yeah, I mean, kind of going back to Thursday night, I know we made that trip out to Wilmer, and um, I know when we, before we, we took off, and I know we were talking about, you know, well, what's this game going to be like? Because, you know, obviously Alexandria lost Hoskins, but they won, they won, I think, 12 of their last 13 without Hoskins. So you're like, okay, well, clearly that's not really a factor. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you're like, okay, how's Don going to play? Because, I mean, ultimately Don is kind of the number one player for the Tech Tigers, um, as well as, you know, Tamarin. And um, will this team gel like they have in the past for certain games? Because if they gel... I mean, obviously things work really well for them, and, and they, they take advantage of different things. And so, I mean, that game was just electric. I mean, the student sections were going crazy. The fans were going crazy. Even the, you know, even the players were getting a little chippy every so often, which I think that's kind of what you expect when it comes to a section final game. And then, obviously, at the end, you know, with 12 seconds left, they call a timeout. They come back. They dribble it up the court, and... Um, I think you and I were both expecting probably Don to take that shot. All of a sudden, Tamron takes the shot, which we were maybe not expecting as much. And then he took the shot. You could, cl- cl- I mean, you could tell that it wasn't going to go in. And so Jalen did a nice job of boxing out his his guy in the paint, and he was able to kind of, I, I don't know what the best way of describing it was. Misdirect it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I think it was something to the effect of, like, you know, kind of tip it, I guess you could say. Um, and he tipped it, and then uh, Devin was right there, and I was taking video, and I know for me, I was like, okay, well, I'll just shut off my video because, you know, we're, we're done, and it will go to overtime or whatever, and all of a sudden, I got the last part of it where he was able to put it in, and it was, I mean, millimeters off of his hand when, when, it, when the red light went off in the backboard, so, I mean, if you're talking about kind of a fun fun game, that was definitely one of those fun games to to, to remember, and I know Devin will remember that for a while. Um, but as for yesterday, um, yeah, we went out to Williams Arena to go watch them play De La Salle. De La Salle's a the number three seed, but honestly, the fact that they were the number three seed was shocking in my mind because they've been there plenty of times. I mean, I, they've had way too many. I, I can't even count how many times yeah, they've I been there. Yeah, I think it was – I think this was like – when I counted, it was like their 27th trip to state just – in the time between Tech's last trip to state, I think they've won seven or eight state titles in Class 3A, which Tech was playing in for one of the first times at state. So, yeah, I mean, you couldn't have got a much more experienced program team that is there every year, you know, as your first-round matchup. Yeah, and, and I mean, when it came to that, I think the main thing was for them is to keep their composure. That's what Don Ferguson, their head coach, said was they wanted to keep their composure because you can always – you can always kind of get it a little bit in your head when you know that you have such an experienced team that you're playing against. But honestly, I think the first handful of minutes, I think they kept it close. Um, they made it a close game. And then about halfway through that first half, De La Salle kind of stretched it out to a seven-point lead. Then they kind of made it into a 10-point lead. Eventually, halftime, it was a 15-point lead. And um, you could kind of tell that maybe things weren't going correctly for the Tigers. Um 
I know talking to the DLSL coaches and players after the game, they were definitely focused on Don and, and Tamarin um, and making sure to, to you know create pressure for them, double-team them, do whatever they need to do to make sure that they were not getting the ball um, all the time. And it worked. I mean, between the two of the, the two brothers, um, Don had two points, and that was from a goaltending violation. And then Tamarin had zero points. So they did their job because, I mean, honestly, I think you and I were kind of expecting at least 15 10 to 15 points from each of them um, heading into halftime. And I think that definitely hurt that vibe. But Tech's always been kind of a second-half team. And so when they went out about with about 12 and a half minutes or so left, um, it was a 21-point game. And they went on a, an 11 to nothing run, the Tech Tigers did. And for about six, six minutes-ish, um, they were able to make it an 11-0 run and made it an, a 10-point game. And you're kind of thinking maybe, okay, let, like this could possibly turn into something. I know I was looking at you down the court while you were taking photos, and we were kind of like, all right. Well, then after that, De La Salle was able to kind of get a basket in, and after that I think they kind of got a little bit of rhythm, and they were just trading off buckets after that. I mean, Tech would go down and score, then, they, then De La Salle would go down and score. And so, unfortunately, it kind of just stayed that way for most of the, the game, and um, De La Salle was able to win by 12, I believe. It was 69 to 57 as a to- as a final, and so, but a very good run for Tech. Uh, they still have possibly two more games left to play. Um, I know the two the the seniors that were on the um, at the press conference last night. They were both ready to say that they aren't ready to be done yet. They want to win. They want to leave the program with a win. So um, it wouldn't shock me if they were able to play really well against Austin today. Yeah, playing at Concordia at four o'clock. Um, this afternoon for a chance in the consolation championship. But, yeah, it was, you know, when Don hit that first three out of halftime, you kind of had a feeling it, they were going to still compete. They weren't going to go away in this one. And, yeah, they, they hit a couple shots. It did extend, you know, for a bit where they couldn't hit their mark. But, yeah, after that run, the close, they got it down to eight uh, with seven and a half minutes left. And even, as you know, with only three minutes left, they got it down to seven points again after Tamron made a shot. But um, they never got closer than seven in that entire second half. Um, so it just, it was kind of that insurmountable lead, you know, De La Salle, they played a bit safer in the second half. It felt like they kind of played with that lead, worked it a bit more well. I'd say they were a bit more aggressive in the first half, but, um, you know, the last time that the game was within six points was with five minutes left in the first half, 23 to 17. So it kind of, at that point, once, like you said, De La Salle went on that first half run, it kind of never came back. They did, like you said, have that nice late charge, but, um, in the end, it wasn't. It just kind of wasn't enough. And you know, Tech they they were only three of twelve on three pointers, which you know we've seen a ton of games where it's been you know <laughs> that's a very low, that's one of the smallest numbers I've seen from them all year from uh, beyond the arc. And um, you know, Don he was only four of fifteen shooting um, for nine points, one of his lowest marks of the entire year. So, like you said, they did a really good job of guarding him. You know, someone that really stood out was Dante Horshaw, who kind of with the other guards being really focused on, he did take advantage. He finished at the rim a lot. He got to the free throw line a couple times um, and, you know, did some nice things in that aspect. He had six of seven from the free throw line, six of 12 shooting um, overall. But in the end, DeLaSalle just had kind of, it seemed like the the better game plan. They made more shots. Um, They shot, I think, almost 50% from the field. Yeah, they took 10 less shots and still made more. So kind of everything, it just, you know, it wasn't Tech's night, but they lost to the top three team in their class. So, you know, nothing to really hang your head about too much. Yeah, and 
One last thing to add about Tech. I, I know I was kind of talking to the players and coaches after the game, and they described it as a historic night and for them. I mean, there's not many times. It's kind of, I mean, you don't really expect it to be like De La Salle where you go to the state every single year and every single time. It's kind of sometimes one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. And so I know for Tech, you know, coming into the season, I know you and I, we were like, okay, brand-new coach. They The coach brought a couple of his kids with, and um, we, weren't ex- we weren't sure what they were going to be able to bring. I mean, just because we hadn't ever seen them. And then I remember the first time you went to practice and you saw them play or scrimmage or whatever um, during one of their practices. You came back and you're like, yeah, those – those two guys know how to play, um, and I think they fit really well with that with that offense. And so, I think that kind of excited us a little bit about what what's in store for this Tech Tigers team. Um, and even Don Ferguson, the head coach, said that you know he's he everybody bought into the system. I mean, they bought into the program. They understood what their assignments were. They understood their roles. And since they were able to understand their roles and buy into them, they were able to get to state. And it's just as simple as that. I mean, but they definitely had some obstacles. I mean, they weren't ever ranked in the top 20. They played against some really good teams and beat some really good teams, including Alexandria, a top team um, to get to state. And so, I mean, you're talking about some of the best teams in, in the central Minnesota area and tech was competing with them. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, they, they played hard against Sartell. They, they had some really good matchups against different teams like that. And I think it kind of helped to their advantage. And so I think they were really prepared when they went to the section tournament they were able to pull off that that nice win um, in the section finals, and even though they they got they lost to a good De La Salle team, I think there's nothing to really hang your head about. I mean, this is a huge accomplishment for the Saint Cloud Tech team, um, and I think it's something that they can kind of add to as they get ready. Because I mean, yes, you're losing some key guys with Devin and and you know Don and Dante, different guys like that, but. You still have Jalen Simmons. You still have Tamron Ferguson. I mean, you still have some key people that can form this team, has the experience of getting to a state tournament, and I'm sure they can kind of help out in the sense of this is what the expectation is when you get on this team. And so, I mean, as long as Don Ferguson is there, I, I think this program is very steady um, as they get ready for what what's up in the future. Yeah, and Dante only a junior too, so having him back, Oh, um, I thought he was a senior. No, yeah, still a junior. I, I wasn't sure. He plays sure like too. a senior. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like you said, yeah, you have, you know, three of your starters um, back will be will be a really nice thing for them going into next year with, with that experience. So we can, um, we'll kind of see where that stands and even how they finish out these last two games will be, I think, really important to see how they bounce back after tasting, you know, defeat in, in such a big stage like that playing at Williams Arena. So, you know, they'll have... Um, that to finish out their season, the other team that made a section final was the Albany boys team. Um, I got to see them at um, their section final against St. Cloud State, uh, at St. Cloud State against Annandale uh, last Friday. Um, and this was, you know, they always talk about a really old cliches that basketball is a game of runs. And um, this one definitely proved that because Annandale jumped out to a 13-4 to lead and Albany just kind of looked lost. They were losing the ball. They were throwing the ball all around the gym, taking – you know, contested shots, um, and it was looking really bad for them. And then they end the first half on a 22-4 to run. So then they're up nine at halftime. Everything's going their way. Tyson Garrett's, um, you know, he had 14 points on six of eight shooting. He looked really confident, and um, I thought, okay, now they're going to kind of roll through this probably, and we'll probably, you know, make possibly make the state tournament. And then Annandale comes right back, 
second half outscores them 37 to 14 so they end up winning by 14 and it, it ended up not even really being a very close game um and it was just kind of shocking how much it, it swung back and forth the entire night um brady spaulding for annandale is just a fantastic player he had 17 points and 13 rebounds um and was great defensively kind of led them all around and they you know annandale already saw they won um their first game at state last night so they're already in the state semifinals, they also beat Tech, who's up to a class as well, um, who we've just been talking about for the first about 10 minutes here. So, you know, Annandale, a great team that they're seated, I believe, um, I think they were second or third in their in their class. So they're going to see if they can make it possibly to a state title game. So, you know, once again, Albany just, you know, they kind of lost to a better team. It was a team they'd beat earlier in the year um, by five points at home, but since that game, and I think it was early December, uh, Annandale hasn't lost. I think they're now up to, I think they're up to 27 wins in a row since then. So, you know, um, catching one of the hottest teams in the state um, in a section final game is tough, but it was an awesome atmosphere in that game. Um, just, you could just feel the momentum swings with the gigantic crowds um, at St. Cloud State with it being two schools, you know, about 20, 30, 40 minutes away or so, you get those awesome crowds in a section final game. So, um, you know, a tough way for Albany to end their season after being up by that much um, at halftime. But, you know, Tyson Garrett's he ended with 22 points on 9 of 15 shooting. He had five steals. So, you know, awesome game for him, too, in a big moment. He's going to be their go-to guy next year, um, along with, you know, a few other guys that got experience throughout the year. They have a couple younger guys that come that came off the bench and provided big minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Albany, you know, trying to fight for the same position again. Um, they end 24-6 and six overall. Um, and the section final has kind of been um, kind of their Achilles heel lately. They've lost their last three section finals since uh, their last state appearance in 2015. So I'm sure they're very ready to, to get back to that point. They keep making it, you know, kind of right to the verge and falling a little short. So uh, we'll see if that changes. Next year, we have Albany, another team that, you know, 20-plus wins, um, you know, great year in conference too. Just uh, another really good season for them. Yeah, definitely. And, I know Corey was named section section coach of the year for for that section, and deservingly so with what he was able to accomplish this year for um, the the Huskies. And like you said, a, a handful of guys that are graduating, guys like Carter Beer and um, different guys like that, that are going to be you know key key people that will be missed. But also when you're bringing back Tyson Garretts and some guys that came off the bench, uh, I mean you still have some experience on what what to expect when it comes to. Um, that that Huskies tradition and of, of boys basketball, but yeah, definitely a fun season for sure. I was able to watch them play a handful of times, and they're just a gritty group that um, unfortunately just came up short on on that Friday night. Yeah, just the the big thing from earlier in the year. I mean, they didn't lose many games early in the year still, but just when Laquay Jefferson was able to come back that second half there, just kind of completely changed it. Just the the energy he brings, the plays he makes out on the court, it just kind of really it felt like propelled them to to this point. So yeah, he'll be gone too, but you know, guys off the bench like Sam Hondo, who's a freshman who made some shots in this game. Ethan Borgerdine was a guy um, that also provided a lot of big minutes throughout games I saw this season. So yeah, so they have a nice crew coming back, kind of like tech that, you know, you might lose some of those top players, but um, you're not, it's not a complete rebuild. You're kind of more reloading it. It seems like. Yeah, definitely. And then Albany had a very busy week with, yeah, <laughs> with no girls basketball as well with, the Huskies making it to state for girls. Um, they were able to play on Wednesday night. They played, Huskies got the four seed, and they were playing number five, Rochester Lourdes. 
um, on Wednesday in the state quarterfinals for Class AA. Um, the Huskies were able to come out with a 57-41 to win um, to advance to the, to the semifinals on Friday. Um, Albany kind of rolled early on, and they had a 22-15 to lead at the half. Um, they were able to have some really strong defense, um, and they it was just nice to see they were able to use a little bit of the tallness of their team on, on that Wednesday. Um, they earned 26 points in the paint, um, and then they also had 11 bench points um, with the depth that the Huskies bring when it comes to their bench. So um, fast forward to, um, well, and then Kylan Garrett's got 24 points and also had a double-double with 13 rebounds. Alyssa Sand also had a double-double with 10 points and 11 rebounds. So then you fast forward to the section, uh, sec- or the not section, the state semifinals um, on Friday, and it was kind of a game that everybody was kind of hoping for. Honestly, um, you had Albany, number four Albany, taking on number one Providence Academy, um, a rematch of last year's state title game where Albany was able to come out victorious and capture that state title. Um, I mean, it was kind of what you were hoping for when, if you're a sports fan or if you're just you know, fan in general, it's, it's kind of something that you were kind of looking forward to. Um, definitely was a back-and-forth game um, for most of the game, um, and then ultimately Providence Academy was able to win 55-48 to um, and send the Huskies to the third-place game on Saturday. But um, overall, a, a good game. I think we were kind of, we weren't sure what to expect because they played in December during the Granite City Classic, and I mean, Providence Academy kind of handed it to them a little bit. Um, they were able to win, I think, almost by like 20 or 30 points in that in that December game. And so um, you weren't entirely sure what this team was going to bring, but I know there was a lot of growth in that month of um, January and February. And so um, definitely the big matchups, I think, for, I mean, me when I was out there covering it, was the Count sisters on the Providence Academy side versus Maddie Herkinoff and Alyssa Sand. You have kind of that tallness and height um, and that battle in the paint, I guess you could say. And then on the outer part, you have Madden, Maddie Greenway and Brooke um, Hernecker um, for Providence Academy against Bailey Keske and Kylan Garrods. Um, and so you kind of have that ability of the three-point shot as well as kind of that ball handling skills to be able to find that open person and be able to get that open shot and so um, overall I mean the big point the big aspect was was Albany was able to out rebound Providence Academy 40 or 34 to 29 they were just missing a lot of I would say easy shots at the beginning of the game I mean if they were able to connect on some of those shots it probably would have been a tie at, at halftime and it might have been a little bit more of a you know maybe Albany might have taken the lead aspect but they weren't able to put in some of those easy shots that I think everybody was kind of expecting. Um, and then on top of that, the Lions were able to have 14 to f- fourteen to 5 in steal advantage. Um, they were just all over Albany when it came to anytime the ball was down by their waist. I mean, there was a Providence Academy player that was going after the ball. So, um, I mean, overall it was a good game. I think both sides played really well. Um and then the Huskies played Minnehaha Academy, uh, number three seed in the third place game. They lost 53-52 um, after Albany, I think, lost almost by 40 um, in, like, the second game of the season against Minnehaha. So um, 
Yeah, so I think, I mean, definitely a, a good a good couple of games to round out the season. Obviously, I'm sure they wanted to win a couple or one of those games um, and be able to, you know, end the season on a high note. But a really good season for them. I know they lose a handful of players, but they also bring back a lot of players. I mean, you have you have players like Garrett's and Alyssa Sand that, you know, can kind of lead this group a little bit. I mean, you're losing players like Jordan Carlson and Maddie Herkinoff as well as Bailey Keski, but um, but I mean, overall you you bring back a lot of experience and knowing Aaron Boyum, I mean, he's gonna get people that will play and buy into the program and he already has with his J V and freshman teams and stuff like that. So definitely a bright future for this Albany team and I, I wouldn't expect them to be away anytime soon coming coming in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, especially just they're kind of making a tradition of being, if not in the section title game, yeah, making making runs at state. You know, the that province team they pushed to, you know, the verge. It was like, you know, one possession game into the final minutes. They they ended up winning the state title fifty five to fifty three over Fergus Falls. I watched that game on TV too. Ellie Colbeck from Fergus Falls, she had 41 of their points. It was just an insane game. Um, and Providence only played six players in that game too, and they still were able to to get that state title they'd been chasing since I think it was two years prior. They'd been at state when it got canceled for COVID, losing the finals last year um, to Albany, and then finally win it. So that Class 2A tournament, yeah, was, was really fun. Had a lot of just great players, um, Albany included. So it'll be exciting. You know, this... I'm, most of these girls from Providence are back too. Um, you know, Albany will have some too, so we'll see if they could meet a third consecutive year at state next year, or um, kind of how the how everything plays out. But yeah, I think that's the the most exciting part about all three of these teams we we got to talk about today is just that um, you know it's you you hate to see your season end on a loss possibly, but then at the same time they do have a lot of nice pieces coming back. It's not like you know they have five six you know, all five starters aren't coming back or it's good. It might look a little bleak next year. Things are still pretty bright on the horizon. Well, and the funny part is, is that, yeah, Providence missed it two years ago. Then they lost last year and Maddie Greenway is still an eighth grader. <laughs> so, I mean, if that tells you anything, I mean, that just shows how you good what, that program how is, good yeah. the program is. And then also how young these, these girls are. I mean, you have, I think the two point guards were both like an eighth grader and a freshman and then the Count sisters, I know one of them's like, I think one of them's a senior, and then one's a junior, and then one's like an up underclassman. So, I mean, you're bringing back basically your starting five next year almost, and I'm just like, I mean. They could I, put together a dynasty oh, yeah. possibly very easily. Well, yes. and, and the fun part is is that if Albany continues how good they are, I mean, that's going to be a fun rivalry. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something that people are going to look forward to is like, oh, I can't wait for the Providence Academy-Albany game in the state tournament mm-hmm. at the end of the season, you know. So I think that's kind of a fun part to what builds this rivalry because, honestly, I would have never expected Providence Academy down in the cities to have a rivalry with Albany that's up in the central Minnesota area, but now there is, and it's due to the fact of how good these two programs have been in the last couple of years. Definitely. So, yeah, so I think that about wrap it up for the first part of the show. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about St. Cloud State Hockey, them clinching their tournament berth, um, and then we'll also go through kind of um, briefly through all the first five all metros talk about our players of the year um, and what to kind of look for with those so we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back
And welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Uh, like I mentioned, St. Cloud State making another NCAA hockey tournament. Um, even though you know their their postseason um, in the conference tournament ended a bit earlier than I'm sure they hoped for or expected, might give them a nice chance to to bounce back, have a little bit more rest as they head into their um, regional in Pennsylvania this weekend. Um, they're gonna be they earned a number three seed. They're gonna be uh, facing the number two seed uh, Quinnipiac. Um, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. You're better at names than I am. <laughs> so they're, um, you know, it's the team from out east um, that earned the number two seed um, that they're going to be facing at 7 o'clock Friday. And then um, the winner of that game will face either Michigan um, as the number one seed or American International as the number four seed on Sunday for a spot uh, in the Frozen Four. So, you know, um, a, a pretty good draw for the Huskies. I think they're actually favored. I think they're the only you know, either in betting lines and stuff, they're the only te- lower seed favored in the entire first round. So um, we'll see if that works in their favor. Um, Quinnipiac is basically has the, the best defense in the country. They've only allowed 1.05 goals a game, and their goalie's allowing less than one goal a game. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, so that's pretty good. That helps you kind of win hockey games. A little they, more confident. Yeah. At least. yeah. They're, they were 31-6-3 uh, and three in the um, – they haven't played, I think it's about – I think it's been about seven years since they last played against them. Um, they played a couple series, and like, they played a series in 2015, and then I think a little earlier too. But they actually met before the Huskies went to the Frozen Four last year. Their only other trip to the Frozen Four, they actually lost to this team four to one in 2013. So they have a little bit of history. It, it's been it's been in kind of a previous era, but we'll see if um, we get another good game between those two teams. So um, then if, if they score two goals, do we just call the game off? And I think so. That's the end of the game and they win? We'll see if that we'll see if that works. Okay. Right. I'll have to do ask. Do a little white some flag questions. or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. And so we'll see how that goes. The other thing is kind of um the special teams in this one is kind of what it's gonna look like. St. Cloud State has the number one uh power play percentage in the country. They have basically the entire season, um pretty significantly the best, but um Quinnipiac has the top penalty kill in the country, also by a pretty significant margin. So, Ooh. I know. So you like when you get That'd those kind of battles yep. of of you know top versus top. So, well, I'm sure that'll be kind of a huge factor. The other will be uh, Huskies goalie David Rennick. He was sick for um, their last series against Duluth. He didn't play. It sounds like he's still day to day. It's been a couple weeks though. So I'm. I think most people are probably expecting him to play, um, but. I, we won't know until we see the lineup on Friday night. So, yeah, if they would win that, they'd play again Sunday for a spot in a uh, in another Frozen Four. So, uh, you know, a couple steps to still go. But, um, you know, Huskies still getting a, a pretty decent seat after uh, after their season. And where where is the uh, regional? And then also maybe talk a little bit about the Frozen Four just for the fans. Yeah, so they're playing in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Can't tell you I've ever heard of that city in my entire life before this. Somewhere in Pennsylvania. Yeah, somewhere there. That is where... Uh, <laughs> their regional is. I know the others are, one's in Albany, one um, is... New York, w- not Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's a good point. Just don't want to trip you up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're going to be there. There's also one in Colorado and then one of the regional. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But so those will all be going on throughout the week. Some of the other regionals start on Thursday, play Thursday, Saturday. St. Clouds is one that plays Friday, Sunday. Um, and then they'll be playing first spot in the Frozen Four, which is um, April 7th to 9th in Boston it is this season. Um, so that's where they're kind of going last year, Pittsburgh, see if they can make kind of another trip out east this year. And about, I think it's two or three more years it'll be at the XL Energy Center here in St. Paul for the Frozen Four. But um, this is one of the last year where there's not any kind of regionals or Frozen Four around, you know, kind of this, um, you know, Minnesota upper Midwest area. Gotcha, gotcha. 
And I think the other hockey team that um, has been kind of on our radar lately is uh, the Granite City Lumberjacks. They've always they've been having a phenomenal season this year. You were able to do a story on them over this past week, um, and they were able to also win their first round of the postseason. Maybe just talk a little bit about your story as well as just kind of where they are at um, as we get ready for this upcoming weekend. Yeah, kind of kind of focused on Quinton Sigurdsson. He you know he was um, you know your goalie of the year last year as. Um, as a junior for Sartell, had a great season there, and then he kind of had to make the decision, do I want to come back for senior year of high school or do I want to try to really test myself and, and play junior hockey? So he chose junior hockey with the Lumberjacks. Um, they've had an incredible year. They were, you know. Good payoff. Yeah. It was a pretty good decision since they, you know, they went 44-3 and three during the regular season. They had a 38-game win streak. Um, Quinton, he only lost one game during the regular season too um, and put up some, you know, incredible stats. He was 18 and one, five shutouts, had nearly 93 save percentage. Um, you know, really, really proved his worth at that level. And then, since the playoffs have started, um, he he was kind of splitting time and goal all year. Since the playoffs started, he started all five games. Um, they were able to sweep their first round series, and then they actually had to in their they had to go to game three um, this last Sunday night um, for their their division championship in Sock Rapids. Um, and they were able to win that game pretty decisively to um, make their way back to the, the tournament championship for the NA3HL it is. It's kind of the, the third division of, of junior hockey. Um, there's six teams that make this, this championship tournament. So this week they're, they're split into two pools, the top two. So basically two out of three teams advance from each pool. Then you have a semifinal um, and a final. The Lumberjacks, they'll start um, tonight actually on Wednesday night. They have their first game. They'll also play Thursday night and then They'll kind of see where things stand um, going into the weekend. But um, the team they're playing tonight is the Helena Bighorns, and um, they were actually able to beat them 3 to nothing in December at kind of the, the um, holiday time showcase where kind of all the top seeds usually play each other um, cross divisions because jun- junior hockey, you basically just play your division teams, you know, seven, eight, ten times most of the time throughout the year. So you don't, so you don't really get to see these teams. You see at the championship rounds very much throughout the year. But, um, you know, a – a good chance for a fourth championship for the Lumberjacks. They won in 2012, 2015, and in 2017, but they haven't been back even to, to this stage since 2017. So um, a, a good opportunity for them and um, see if, if Quinton's in goal too and if he can kind of you know cap off this season with you know a nice finish as well. Definitely fun to see a local guy being able to have some success on that team. And um, I know everybody loves those Granite City Lumberjack games and such um, over at the Sports Arena East. So... Um, definitely something to, to be watching out for, and I know we'll probably have some updates uh, either in the scoreboard or you know, maybe once they are done and they kind of start an, another round, we'll, we'll kind of be able to let people know kind of where they stand and such things like that. Yeah, they had, you know, they had over 1,700 people at that final game against Mason City where they won 6-2. to two. Um, You know, another local guy, Nick Rickert, a, a St. Cloud grad, he had a hat trick in this siding game too, so he had – you know, a lot of cool things happened for them to to win that game, and Quinton made 21 saves in net too. So, yeah, a, a great you know end to to that stage of the playoffs, and now they're down in Missouri um, for this final tournament, kind of see if they can if they can get it done. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, transitioning kind of into the last part of our our podcast, which is all metros. Um, like Zach was saying at the beginning, we have a few that we have finished, and then there's a few that are still going to be getting posted over you know the next couple of days and over the weekend um so we're going to kind of start off with the first part that we've already done and they're already in the paper and online 
Um, the first one that um, came out was All Metro Gymnastics. Um, that one came out, I believe it was Friday? No, Saturday. Saturday it came out. Um, and no shock here, but the gymnast of the year is Taylor Schaefer from St. Cloud. Yeah, no, not not a big shock. I know. I mean, when you win all around for Class 2A, I think you, you deserve that honor a little bit. So the junior um, was able to, like we said, win all around for um, state, and she also was able to win not only all around, but floor, beam, vault, and then she also, I think, finished top, or top 15 in uh, the bars. So not a bad round for her um, to end her season, um, her junior year. And uh, she was also able to help out with St. Cloud earning third place as a team um, at state. And she'll be back next year kind of hoping to defend that that all-around title um, and keep that title in the central Minnesota area for a third straight year after Marley Marley Mashad was able to win it um, in 2021. So... a really good, really good season for her. Some other play, or some other gymnasts that made that first team. Olivia Bestie from St. Cloud. Um, she's a senior, and she was able to have a couple different. Um, she was able to have a couple different spots in the individual state turn or meet, um, and she was able to finish fourth in vault with a score of nine point five five. Ella Simmons from Sartell. She's also a senior. She was able. She was kind of the one of the leaders for. Sartell, after a lot of seniors left last season, um, she came back and she was kind of that um, go-to leader for the Sabres. Um, She was able to punch her ticket to the state individual meet as well for vault. Um, Morgan Weber from Sartell, she was a senior as well, kind of helping out Ella in that leadership role. Um, She reached the state individual meet as well um, on uneven bars. And then Caitlin Zach, um, a senior from St. Cloud, she was kind of that one-two punch with Schaefer in the all-around that helped out St. Cloud quite a bit this season. Um, and she had a variety of different skills to kind of show off um, that all-around aspect. But she also advanced to the state individual meet, placed eighth on the floor exercise um, to end her career as a St. Cloud gymnast. So um, a handful of different girls on that team. There was also a handful of um, Sock Rapids gymnast that made that second team. Um, you had Maddie Anderson from St. Cloud as well as, um, or well, for Sock Rapids, you had Ava Plemmel, which um, she's a freshman, and Carly Wessenbeck, who's a junior, so both of them coming back next year. So a lot of, a lot of good talent um, around, a lot of seniors on that first team um, besides uh, Taylor Schaefer, but um, quite a bit of some returners coming back next year that will kind of hopefully take over some of those first-team spots um, for this All-Metro team. Yeah, and I know after gymnastics, um, you also put out dance, which came out over the weekend. Um, I think not too big of a surprise winning a couple state titles that it was a cathedral dancer, but do you want to just um, you know talk about a couple of the dance selections as well? Yeah, for for All-Metro all dance, we had, I believe it was 12 selections. I mean, when you have four teams that go to state, it's hard to choose who's on that first team, so it's nice to have a little bit more selection. Um, the Dancer of the Year went to Olivia um, Tadich um, from Cathedral. She was one of the captains for that Cathedral team, um, one of the leaders, and helped lead Cathedral to win not one but two Class A state titles with Jazz and High Kick this season. Um, along with that, um, she's 
she also earned all conference in, in jazz. Um, and then she also earned all state in jazz this year, as well as the last two years during her sophomore and junior year. Um, but some other dancers that made that team um, for Sartell, you had Alexa Anderson. Um, she's actually going to be going to the U of M um, potentially. Um, and then you have, she was also named to Team Minnesota, which is one of the most prestigious dance teams in the state. Um, and then you also have Maggie Fendel from Sartell. Um, and I believe it was Raina. There's a lot of people on this list. Raina um, Rung, who's uh, a captain this year as well and a two-year choreographer for Sartell. Um, some really good opportunity for them. And then, you know, we also had three other cathedral dance members on this team besides Olivia, as well as a couple or three um, Sock Rapids dancers and a couple Ricori dancers as well because all four of them made it to state. So um, some really good representation from the central Minnesota area. I don't, I'm not going to go through all of the names because there's a lot of names on this list. Um, we also added a few more to the second team as well, so um, make sure to check out that team as well. But um, quite a bit of uh, junior, senior power on that first team. Um, and then, you know, obviously with every year, I think the expectation is, we're going to have some more teams that make it to state the following year. So um, wouldn't be surprised to have similar names make it to this list next year um, as we get ready for the 2022-23 season. Absolutely. And, and I also, I was in charge of uh, both of the ski teams this year. Um, the boys was, it was pretty easy to pick an MVP since there was only one uh, skier that went to state. That was Johnny Nemeth um, from Sartell Cathedral. He was 50th at state and he was 7th at the section meet. Um, this was his third time competing at state. He'd also gone um, when they went as a team a couple times too when he was um, even younger. So he was he's definitely kind of the most experienced kind of, you know, veteran of, of placing well at sections, placing well as conference too. He was actually the conference champ in the freestyle race too for the Central Lakes. So um, a really dominant year from him as well. Um, a couple other skiers that just missed out at that section meter, Sam Hoover from St. John's Prep and then Charles Lindell from uh, Sartell Cathedral. Both of them were just right just a couple places off from qualifying at state. So they were still, you know, had, they were both in that top 12 at section. So um, good seasons from them. And then the last uh, guy on the first team was Grant Muffelman of the St. Cloud Breakaways, their Alpine team. Um, while he didn't go to state, he had some really good regular season results, you know, um, a lot of top five finishes, a lot of, he was kind of just that leader for them all season long. So um, those were the four guys that uh, really stood out for them. And then for the girls, it was, it was honestly a bit harder because for them you had uh, three alpine skiers from the, the breakaways go. Then you also had two Nordic skiers. Um, so a really good year um, kind of individual-wise for those girls skiers. Um, ended up picking St. Cloud's, uh, the breakaways, Ashley Stolt as the um, skier of the year, um, as the MVP. Um, while she wasn't their, their top finisher at state throughout kind of the entire rest of the year, um, she was you know, senior captain for them. She had the best finish at sections as well um, in ninth place to qualify for state. Um, and while she had a, a DNF in one of her runs that kind of, you know, put her out of elimination of a high finish, even her second run at state was the 34th fastest of 88 competitors. So she was kind of in line to, to finish pretty well at state if she would have had a, you know, put those two runs together. But ultimately, um, her coach just kind of said that the hard work she put in, her consistency was kind of the biggest thing throughout the year because it's it's really hard to be consistent in a sport like alpine skiing, and she was able to do that. So 
Um, she was the skier of the year. Other ones that made the first team were uh, Emma Jamison, who's a Sartell Cathedral freshman, um, and Violet Style, who's a Sartell Cathedral junior. Um, both were both made appearances at the state meet um, and were really key for for that team to to have a really great year too. Just kind of overall, they were um, you know they were third at sections and second in conference as a team, um, and they have a huge depth of skiers that you, you'll see on this list too. If you you check it out at sctimes.com, they have a lot of second team members too. Um, and the final member of that first team was Abby Wright. Um, she's an alpine skier. She's a junior. And she also went to state um, and was 42nd overall at the state meet. Um, and she was an all-metro pick last year, too, as well. So um, kind of an experience being at a, a really high level throughout a couple seasons. So a um, couple others, you can look at the names on the second team. But but overall, yeah, a nice winter as well for um, Nordic and alpine skiing. Absolutely. No, for sure. And I think the the last one that was on our list um, that actually came out today was boys swimming and diving. Um, the swimmer of the year uh, went to Cash Walls from so- Sock Rapids Rice. Also a cool name, just got to say Very that. cool name. I mean, Cash Walls, super cool. Um, he's a freshman, but he um, finished fourth in both the 200-yard individual medley and 500 freestyle. Um, he also helped with... Um, he also helped in the relays to have the Storm earn fifth in the 200 freestyle relay and sixth in the 400 freestyle relay. Um, Sock Rapids also finished sixth as a team, so he was in. He also helped out with all of that as well. So, I mean, just an overall great season for Cash, um, someone that is definitely going to be kind of leading this team for the next few years as heading into his sophomore year next year. Um, along with that, you had... Different uh, swimmers like Noah Bludgett um, from Sock Rapids Rice, who's a junior. He'll be returning back. Jack Christofferson um, from Sock Rapids Rice. He's also uh, he's going to be a, he's a senior, so he'll be graduating. But he was a big part of their um, a little bit more sprint, I would say, um, different sprint swims. Um, and then Micah Davis from Tech Cathedral Recorries Co-op. Um, he's an eighth grader, and he he was probably one of their best swimmers this year. Um, made it to state in four different or three different events, three different events, um, and had a really good run for that. George Larson from Sartell, he's a sophomore. Um, he had a really strong season as well, making it to the state state meet as well for Class AA, which was also a big jump for Sartell. I mean, that was not an easy thing to do is go from Class A to Class AA. Um, he was still able to make it into the championship heat for one of his races and had a really good finish, so um, congrats to him on that. Braden Lemke from the Tech Cathedral Recorey Co-op, he was the diver of the year. Um, as a junior, he finished eighth overall um, at the Class 2A state meet, um, but honestly, it was really hard because David Binsfield was right behind him in ninth place, so David was on the second team, but um, some really good divers for the future of this program. I mean, you have Braden, who's a junior, David, who's a junior, um, also, Cody Watts was part of that diving core for states for TCR, so um, a lot of different options there. And then the last guy to kind of round out that first team is Karsten Ruder from Tech Cathedral Recorey. He's a senior, kind of one of those leaders on that team that you were kind of hoping to see step out of his shell and be that leader for them this year, and you could definitely see that. Um, he finished fourth in the 100 freestyle relay. Um or sorry, 100 100 yard freestyle, not relay, um, and kind of helped out um, at that state meet to kind of give a really good run for the TCR program. 
um, and he kind of helped build that future for what, what's to come for that co-op as well. Um, a couple of different relays also making that first team, but a lot of different talent on this team, and the nice part is, is looking at this, I mean, literally on the second team, there's one senior on that team, um, which is Brandon Zimmer from Apollo. Otherwise, all the rest of them are juniors, sophomores, or freshmen. So a lot of guys coming back on these teams. Um, so I would expect to see similar names as we get ready for next season. A lot of guys that are young, young guys on, on the first team as well. So um, a, lot of, a lot of good things to come in the future of the boys swimming and diving programs here in the central Minnesota area. Yeah, for sure. So that you know, that's our first five all metros. Go to sctimes.com to to see all the names that made both teams. There are also four subscriber only stories. So make sure to subscribe. See if there's any offers for that as well. There there usually are most weeks to to keep on track of that. But um, other than that, yeah, for for, for schedule wise, we're I don't think either of us are going anywhere the rest of the year or not the year. Gosh, that that'd be something. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Rest of this week, I know Friday night I will be uh, keeping tabs on St. Cloud State watching the stream of that game um, as they play in the NCAA tournament, um, and we'll kind of see how the Lumberjacks do the rest of this week down in, in Missouri as they go for um, another Frazier Cup title possibly. But besides that, it's going to be a lot of, yeah, finishing up our other All-Metros, pre- spring previews, waiting to see kind of what events start rolling out the next weeks, depending on how the weather is. But I think I know track already has like indoor meets and time trials all throughout next week, and and softball starting up the week after that and, and other sports as well. So, yeah, so it's it's definitely coming full force sooner than you'd probably hope. Definitely. No, <laughs> and I mean, I always like being outside, so the spring season is not always a bad thing. But, um, yeah, I think this upcoming weekend, like you said, you know, doing some spring previews. We got softball started, track and field started, baseball and golf started this past week. So, um a lot of different sports starting up for the spring season, so we'll be kind of getting some stories out about that, as well as finishing up these all metros, kind of putting winter to bed, I guess, um, and then we'll be kind of kicking off the spring season here shortly. So uh, make sure to stay tuned to sctimes.com for all of these different previews and all metro teams. Make sure to get subscriptions um, and check us out on social media as we uh, start getting ready for that spring season. Definitely, but yeah, I think otherwise that kind of wraps up the show today. So. Uh, Once again, thank you for tuning in to the SC Times Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.